0: Gardening with Cisco is brought to you by GNB Organics. And bonjour, all you gardening cats and gators. Welcome to Gardening with Cisco July twentieth. So it's time's moving on. How about I don't know if you were as lucky as I was, as a big cloud just seemed to stand over our house in Seattle. And we got three-quarter inches of rain a couple of days ago. Oh, la la! that was the best thing that ever happened, I'll tell you what. But today, what a beautiful day. So uh, this would be a great day to either go out and garden or take your puppy for a walk. <laughs> so, <laughs> hey, if you uh, are battling deer, you're going to want to really pay attention today because I'm going to introduce my guest in a few minutes. She wrote a great book about how you could design a garden even without fences that uh, will thrive despite the deer. So uh, we'll get into that, and I'm sure you'll get a lot of great tips from that. So uh, uh, just hang on. But first, I want to say hi to a few people I spoke to and uh, give you a few other important announcements. So first of all, congratulations to my great buddies, Greg and Heidi, They've been living together forever, and they finally got married. <laughs> I don't know uh, how that happened, but I'm really happy, and the party was fantastic, by the way, so. <laughs> which is the most important thing. All right. Hey, uh, so all you folks that came on tours of our private garden, as you know, uh, Mary and I allow good causes to auction off tours to our garden, and then people have the fun of coming to see the garden. I have the fun of showing the garden, and the money goes to the good cause. So uh, one was for the Washington Animal Rescue Team. So uh, they go rescue horses that fall off cliffs and dogs that get in trouble, and they probably just leave the person laying there on the trail. Let's get that horse (laughs) So they were you guys were great. I had so much fun showing you the garden. And then the other one was uh that one was to support the the uh I believe the Seattle Humane Society and uh oh boy was that a fun tour. <laughs> that was so fun. You guys were so great. And uh, interestingly, uh we'll talk about this later, but uh they showed me a picture of their doberman and this doberman uh, has a regular patrol around the property and no deer would even think about getting on their property. It was a beautiful dog, so really fun. So uh, I just uh, want everybody to know I'm going to be at the Whidbey Island Fair. That's tomorrow at 1 p.m. So I hope lots and lots of you come to hear my talk. It's going to be a lot of fun. I got some really cool plants I'm going to give away, so this is going to be great. All right. And, uh, all right. By the way, I'll be on New Day on King 5. I'm on there every other week, and that's at 11 o'clock with my great buddy, Margaret Larson. And I'm going to be showing all sorts of the coolest, uh, hardy fuchsias there are. So this will be good, and I'll talk about how you can grow them, because not enough people use hardy fuchsias. Hummingbirds die for those things. So uh, I just love them. Okay, just a few other really, really important announcements, and I know a lot of you are going to the Heronswood Open, so if you're waiting for the ferry, just make sure you keep tuned in to our show before... uh, before you get to the garden, but you're going to have a lot of fun there today. It's spectacular. Hey, uh, so something that I wanted to do, but I can't be at this week, but it's going to be so fun, is Plant Geek Trivia. So it's uh, this Monday, and, um, uh-oh, do I have where it is? Maybe is? Let's hope Mary put that on there for me. Well, I'll have to find that in a few minutes because I don't see it. But... um it open. It opens at 5.30. They play trivia at 6.30, and 100% of the beer proceeds go to Plant Amnesty. And they have non-alcoholic beverages, pizza, and snacks. So I promise before the show is over, I'll tell you where that is, or you can go to my events page in cisco.com and look that up real quick. Uh, let me see what else there is. Okay. So uh, I'm really excited because I'm gonna be seeing a lot of you that are going to Japan with Mary and I and Brad and that meeting is coming up I think on September 8 now. so uh, but I want to say there's still two spots open for this uh, trip to Japan that is going it's 13 nights, including several nights in Kyoto. so I'm hoping a lot two more people will sign up. This is going to be one of the funnest trips we've ever done. I admit it, I've never been to Japan. I'm as excited as you are. So I think this will be really, really fun. And I think we're going to put a vegetarian option if you don't want to eat too many raw fishes. (laughs) So, uh, And uh, and also, um, I haven't announced this. So the tour to Japan is November 16th through 24th. We Last year, all through November, we watched the temperatures in Kyoto and Tokyo and Hiroshima, other places we're going to go, and it uh, was in the 60s every day. So it should be perfect fall color to die for. But uh, I haven't announced this yet, but I'm going to right now, and that is Mary and I are leading a trip to Morocco and southern France. You remember last year I went to the... Lemon and Orange Festival down in Monton, France. And then we went to Nice, where they're also having festivals. It is the funnest thing we ever did in our life. It was in the 60s every day in February. So uh, Mary and I said we weren't going to take people there, but then we thought, oh, man, it's going to be so fun. So we're doing it. So uh, that's going February 12th through 24th. So there's links right on the front page of cisco.com. You can find out all about those, and um, they're going to be really, really fun. There's only four spots. I haven't even announced it yet. And there's only four spots left for the Morocco and South of France tour. So uh, I hope lots of you come because it'll be fun. Uh, Okay, I think that's all my... uh, Important announcements, so now I want to introduce my guest finally, Karen Chapman, and uh, she is like one of the best garden designers I know. She can make a container scream with beauty.
1: <laughs> scream at the Cisco.
0: Hi. It's so fun to have you on. Now, uh-huh. I've had you on a few times. And we used to be on together we did. back in the days when you worked for Mallbacks. No,
1: we had so much fun. They had to take us off the air in the end, didn't
0: they? <laughs> yeah, I think they did. They had to All right, you two, shut up. We got to do other do things, plants. you know. Talk
1: about some plants and <laughs> a lot of
0: fun. But you wrote this really interesting book which is I'm surprised no one else has ever written this book because yeah. I know so many people fighting deer fighting deer A lot of times you're not allowed to put up a fence. That's right. Or you don't
1: want to because, I mean, some people actually like looking at them. Um, That's true. (laughs) um, So, no, people say, you know, why did you write the book? How did you know what to write? And just as you said, I wrote it because nobody else had. And I was so frustrated that there were so few resources other than plant lists um, of things that were supposedly deer resistant. But that didn't translate to a design. And as a designer, I wanted big borders, you know, little container gardens, patio gardens to be deer resistant. And so I wrote the book. (laughs)
0: Good. All right. Now, listen, we got to take a break. When we come back, we're going to get into this and give you lots of tips that are in this book. So this is Karen Chapman, and her new uh, book is called Deer Resistant Design, Fence-Free Gardens That Thrive Despite the Deer. So... Uh, and if you're having problems with deer or you just have a question, feel free to call one Cairo, 973 Cairo, one 973 5476 Because uh, with Karen here with me, there is absolutely no way I could get stumped today. All right, we'll be right back on 97.3 Cairo FM.
2: This is Gardening with Cisco on the all new Cairo Radio Weekends, brought to you by PacificTopSoil.com and Molebacks in Woodenville. Ooh la la! Here's Cisco.
0: Ooh la la! So, my guest today is Karen Chapman. She wrote this great book, Deer Resistant Design Fence Free Gardens That Thrive Despite the Deer. And uh, I, you moved to Deer country back in, what, 209? That's
1: right. We left Kirkland, moved to Duval, and right in the center of deer universe, it would appear. And, you know, at first I thought, oh, no big deal. You know, there are lists of deer-resistant plants. But, um, yeah, that wasn't enough. <laughs> no, because,
0: you know, so often when I'm giving garden talks, I go, oh, well, there's deer-resistant plants. They go, no, they are
1: I know. There and
0: are that- some better than others.
1: There are, but what I realized when I was researching and writing this book that the plants are only one part of the puzzle. There are so many other strategies from a design perspective which can help both distract attention away from the bit where they've been nibbling um, and give a sense of order and um, structure because deer are masters are creating chaos. So there are a few design tricks which I realize could work um, as well as a few ways that you can actually get the deer to go where you want them to rather than where you don't want them to. Yeah,
0: that's one thing I really noticed. It was like, you know, you got to be really observant if Absolutely. you want to deal with deers. I I really noticed that in your book Every you have a bunch of different uh, landscapes you describe mm-hmm. where people are growing in deer country, and every one of them the people had to really observe and learn the habits of the That's deer, right. or you don't have a chance. I
1: think no, and but if you do that, and if you can essentially line their roots or routes, as you would say, you're going to have to be bilingual today, listeners. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't think I can translate have an to American. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but if you can line their roots with deer-resistant plants or plants that are they're not going to look a mess if they get a little bit of nibbling. Um, you can funnel them away from other areas. Now, for me, I use barberries and hollies, big thorny bushes, and I've used that to protect the back of one border, to stop them crashing through it and getting to more delicate plants on the other side.
0: Yeah, and that I, I noticed quite a few people did use that technique, mm-hmm. and it seems to really work quite well. Yeah. And... um So, also, I noticed that uh, some people just put in a lot of plants. So, if the deer do eat some, you're not noticing it as much, but they're still using good design technique, a lot of, you know, using the same plants. So, you get that. Continuity and.
1: Right. One of the things I came across a lot was people really do need to layer their plants. Um, this is typical um, of most designs. If you wanted to do a contemporary design, it gets a little trickier because in contemporary design, you might have a row of all the same sort of plant. That's not a good way to go with deer. So uh-huh, mixing yeah. up, you know, finely textured grasses next to big billowing shrubs and then maybe having a low mounding hardy geranium like Roseanne at the base. If the deer decide that is the one year in five, they're going to taste that geranium again to see if it's any good. Even if they take a little bit out of that, you've got so many other things going on, so many different textures, different heights of plants. You're not going to see that little bite. Ah, that it's bit. not going
0: to ruin your garden Exactly. Design. Yeah, so
1: steering clear of monoculture um, is a good thing. And layering in the different textures and heights really helps a lot.
0: You know, one thing I learned from your book, because I've never had to fight deer. Right. is that it's during the rutting season where they're rubbing yes. their antlers and they're actually giving off a pheromone to,
1: That's right. to tell
0: the girls, hey, I'm in the neighborhood, uh, you know. Hang
1: out here. <laughs> yeah, the, the whole rutting season is a whole other problem. And it's interesting, um, in Texas, they call that antlering, what we call it, rutting ah, okay. But certainly um, the bark of trees is very susceptible. Even a mature tree is susceptible to rubbing. But a young tree is going to need protecting because they can just knock it over, I mean, these things are big. Yeah, um, they are when they visit my garden. Um, so, some kind of tee posts and chicken wire fencing, something even for seasonal protection. Yeah, I saw help. almost
0: everybody in the book mm-hmm. had to protect the trees from that. Absolutely, that, that scraping their, their and yeah. antlers is a real serious problem. So sometimes you might not have fences, but you have to do some protective things. A lot of people mm-hmm. sprayed like Bobex.
1: That's right. There's a number of different sprays I came across. Bobex is a really wicked-smelling one. I mean, do not be downwind of that. Oh, it's
0: funny that one uh, person put rosemary things in there to
1: make it smell better. I thought that was very optimistic, but it was creative. <laughs> now The one I like actually is called Deer Out um, because it's uh-huh. a peppermint oil-based spray. And uh-huh. I was told this by um, another designer whose work is in the book. And that peppermint, of course, you know, it doesn't smell bad. So you can put that right next to your patio five minutes before your guests arrive, oh, and they're not going to run screaming.
0: And it does work
1: well? It works really well. I buy it literally by the gallon. And, um, yeah, it's also rain-resistant, and it lasts from one to three months. Oh, um, So now, very good.
0: Now, one thing I've heard people tell me before is they spray it, they read the container's directions, mm-hmm. and it says, come back at three months to right. spray again. And one morning they get up, everything's eaten, you know. So,
1: yeah, one of the things you know you have to realize is that you're only spraying the top growth, and so the reason they say spray every one to three months is if it's the prime growing season. Well, two weeks later, you're going to have more fresh growth which was never hit by the spray.
2: Oh yeah, and so
1: that's why you need to go back and reapply. It's not that it's suddenly disappeared. I never
0: understood that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so I got caught out with my hydrangeas. Do not grow hydrangeas if you have deer. I mean, you're just asking for trouble. Um, but of course, I have a few and I have to go and I apply fresh deer out over the flower buds otherwise they'll deadhead them for me.
0: Yeah, cuz you you want some special things, you know, right. even if you're you doing a, you know, a garden that's got deer problems, so You've got it, but at least that limits the amount of spray and you have
1: Very much so. And I really don't rely on spray. It's just there, as you say, for those one or two special plants, which, to be honest, are often like you. They come from the growers and they say, oh, please try this. We want to know how it grows in <laughs> yeah, your area. Yeah, nah, and you, say, you have no idea. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, and you had one thing in the book that a lot of people talked about, and that's that if they did spray, they sprayed early. Mm-hmm. Because you know what the – first deer coming in going, wow, this is delicious. That's so if right. they don't like the taste of it right away, yeah. then your chances are a lot better later in the season, huh?
1: That's right. And there's one garden in the book called the collector's garden. And he has literally hundreds of hostas and hundreds Shh, of daylilies. How can you do that? I, well, that's what I said. And I wouldn't believe it. till I went and saw it for myself. They were a super couple from New York And, yeah, he has his own wicked brew that he sprays. And I've got the recipe in the book. Um, So, yeah, and honestly, there was not a bite mark. Trust me, I looked. And wow. There were no bite marks.
0: Wow. But, but he must spend a lot of time spraying out there. Yeah.
1: With... But to him, it was worth it. But I yeah. think, you know, for those folks that are determined to grow roses, that is their thing. And yeah. they now discover right. they have deer. There, It is possible if, that's, if you're willing to put in the time to spray. Yeah. I'm not. I'm a lazy gardener. I don't believe you. I like you. I'm going to sit there with a glass of wine and enjoy my garden. <laughs> so plant
0: selection is a big part of it. It is a big
1: part of it, it, certainly, but there's other techniques as well. Even things like establishing a really strong hardscape creates that sense of order and structure, um, which detracts from any potential um, areas where the deer have been
0: causing chaos. That's something that surprised me. You said deer really don't like walking on concrete that much.
1: Not so much. I mean, you know, they made an exception for my back patio, of course, to come knocking on the back door for lunch one day. (laughs)
0: Um, (laughs) Oh, that's a bad surprise.
1: (laughs) It was a bit surprising for us both. Um, But generally, they do tend to prefer to be on grass or on soil, so the softer um, aspects.
0: We have to take a break in a minute, and then we've got a couple of garden questions. And Anne, hang on. Uh, We're going to put you on, but we have one other question in line first. But uh, one thing you have great container gardens that are fairly deer resistant. Absolutely
1: yeah you can do that too.
0: And people say you put them up right by the house they're safer but what I hear no, you saying you no. better keep an eye on them maybe spray if the deer get too close. Right there's
1: ideas yeah. in the book.
0: But there's some great container designs in there that people are going to want to see because they're spectacular. Thank you. Okay all right well Karen, staying with me we're going to answer your garden questions and You got a question about deer, this is a time to ask, it. I'll tell you that much right now. All right. Hey, we'll be right back. We're going to go to the news, and then we're going to get to uh, your questions on 97.3 Cairo FM. You're
2: listening to Gardening with Cisco on the all-new Cairo Radio Weekends.
0: Hey, and welcome back. Now, we're about to put someone on the air, but I have two announcements I didn't make that I want to make. One is that Edmonds and Bloom, their garden tour, is going tomorrow. So uh, just uh, go to my events page in cisco.com and you'll get that. Also, they're having a great hummingbird lecture at Swanson's Nursery, Saturday, July 27th at 10 a.m., Bling on the Wing, it's called. So uh, it's by my buddy, Greg Butler. So make sure to congratulate him for being so lucky to somehow getting married to Heidi. <laughs> what was she thinking? And uh, tell him that you know he loves Charnay, Okay. <laughs> hey, and I'm going to be speaking. Let me see if I can find that quick because that's a really important one to me. Uh, let me see Oh, well. Hey, I'll tell you about that later, too. But I'm going to be speaking at the uh, BBG, and it's for members only. I think it's August 8th, and uh, it's going to be uh, stump to chump. So I think this is going to be really, really fun. Members only, so you got to become a member of BBG if you want to come to this talk. It's going to be great, I guarantee it. Very humbly. <laughs> All right. Hey, we've got Darren uh, right here in the studio, Darren, how are you doing? Doing great, Cisco. Thank you for having me on. Hey, it's great having you on. So you're a producer for the Saul Speedy Show. I so. am, over on KTTH, yeah. Oh, welcome over to the ninety seven three side you. here. So uh, I'm so grateful to have
2: you uh, as a resource because my wife and I just bought our first home
0: in Kent, and we inherited in our backyard Three very large grapevines oh that are right gosh. now starting to produce. Ah. And neither of us has any sort of green thumb, and we don't know what in the heck to do with them. And we want to make sure that they're around for the next. 10 years yeah but yeah we don't even know where to begin And uh, keep first of all keep an eye out for raccoons do they love oh, really? grapes yeah they, they probably take them back and turn them into wine but i'm not <laughs> sure but uh grapevines are tricky are these grown on a trellis they are they're up to a, a pergola that o- uh, overhangs our deck okay there's a couple things If in summer they're not ripening up in late summer, you can prune some of the leaves off to let more sun hit the grapes. That can really help getting them to ripen up for you. But after all the leaves fall off and everything in the winter, then in about midwinter, you need to go up there and look. You'll be able to see what grew this summer on your trellis. You want to cut all the new growth to about four buds. So you cut it back. Otherwise, it's going to become the rat's nest like you've never seen. But if you don't keep four buds, you won't get any grapes. So you go up there, and then you could thin it out. If there's old vines that are all twisted up and, you know, don't look great or anything, cut a few of those out to thin it out because grapes grow so fast. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. And that ache, And even all summer, if they're growing too far and they're starting to get into trouble getting into another tree or trying to rip the roof off your house, <laughs> just go ahead and cut them back to a node where there's some leaves, and you could do that all summer long. So do uh, the way I've seen it on you know in vineyards and stuff is they cut it down all the way to this, to the tree trunk. That's a different of kind That's... of pruning. And most people that have treuses don't try to do that. If, when they're growing them in in the in the uh vinery you know in the vineyard, what they're doing is they're there's two different styles, but they they keep one branch and they tie it down and then they cut it to about eight buds and that'll produce flowers and fruit like crazy but to try and do that on a trellis would be an undertaking like you wouldn't believe it's not worth the effort. So, yeah, we're just trying to keep them alive Yeah, so. that's the main thing And do watch out for raccoons Because okay. they come in the middle of the night And uh, you you know what you can do You can get a thing called a scarecrow They also have noise making things That I hear work fair I don't know But the scarecrow it, You attach it to your hose It has a little head on it That has a heat and motion detector in it And when the raccoons come in it blasts them with a thirty-five foot powerful blast of water. Reloads. It gets ready to shoot again. Raccoons hate this thing. It scares the living tweedle out of them. <laughs> you can hear about their. <laughs> and uh, if if you find that you're losing this year, if you're finding the raccoons have your number and they're coming in your garden, then you might want to get one or two of these scarecrows. They're not cheap. Cheapest I've ever seen them is 70 bucks, but they work like a charm. They really do work good. So, uh, And when you, you have to set how sensitive they are, wear a swimming suit when you set it up. <laughs> you get wet. Very cool. Well, thank you very much, Cisco. Great. That was a great yeah. question. Really nice to see you. Yeah, thank you. Okay, take care. All right. Well, all right. Okay, are you ready to help me out with this, Karen?
1: I don't know. Something about squash, I believe, we have coming up, right?
0: <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. So, Anne, how are you, and welcome to the show. We've lost her. Oh, no, I... Uh, You've lost her. Can you, uh, Chris, Chris, can you push the button for me? I've gotten a habit of that now. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Hi, Anne, are you there? Hello? Hi, and welcome. Thanks for calling.
2: You know, the solution for a deer is one solution. You either have a Doberman or you have a German Shepherd. And I'll tell you a couple scares. And the deer will not come around. They are so scared of a big dog.
0: The problem for me with dogs, and Karen, you can, they get old. <laughs> they
2: After a do. while, they
0: go, I'm not going out there uh-huh. chasing these deer anymore. But when <laughs> well, they're, you. hate you,
2: your dogs. But anyway, the reason. Best I call, yet is
0: a wiener dog. I just got to get that in. <laughs> okay, Ed, you're up. <laughs> okay.
2: <clears throat> Squash. The good news is this year. The squashes have female flowers. The last, I think, three years or two years, they didn't have any female flowers. This year they have female flowers, so they're producing a lot of squash. Um, the yellow ones, you know, the regular little long ones. Yeah, and uh, crooked
0: neck. Yeah,
2: uh, yeah, whatever they call. It. And then the other ones, which is an Italian one, that has the ridges, which I don't like. Anyway, <clears throat> but uh, okay. So they're producing them. The soil is excellent. But uh, they're not getting big. And, and some of the yellow ones, they start rotting at the tip.
0: Yeah, I awesome know. End
1: rot. Yeah, yeah well, we've been seeing that this year, haven't well, we? Well,
0: actually, most of the time, it's from lack of pollination.
1: Right, that's true. Yep, yeah, they grow true. about
0: four inches, yeah. and then yeah. they, the plant goes, yeah. there's no seeds in there. I'm not going to spend my effort trying to grow this fruit that's not going to reproduce for me. And they just let them rot right there. They abort them. So you yeah. got, you're gonna you going to have to be the I've bee. Noticed, and
2: I have, uh, okay, um, let's see, what do I have? I have alyssum, and alyssum is a good attractor of bees, mm-hmm. but I have not noticed any bees in my garden. That's the problem. One year I planted, I had lavender a couple of years in one corner of the garden, and the lavender in front... By the street had many bees and yet <laughs> the lavender in the corner of the garden didn't have any bees and i could not understand that
1: well we are hearing more of that unfortunately um i have to say in my gardens i'm in Duval, so i'm in a rural area i do still have a lot of many different types of bee species on all my flowers so i am very fortunate um, but I am hearing this increasingly. I'm just wondering, Cisco, isn't there that spray that we can use on tomatoes that attracts pollinators? Does that work on I squash? Actually,
0: I've never tested that.
1: Okay, I have used it on tomatoes, it and it did seem it. to, you know, find the bees um, and bring them in. So I don't know if that but was What kind of spray is that? It's something which is used to um, help is with the. Is it pol- a pheromone of some kind? Exactly. And it's typically sold for um, helping with pollination of tomatoes, but it's worth researching to see if it would help with the idea. squash.
0: be a good test. Uh, uh, and it's then not I
2: know my cucumbers have beautiful, beautiful blooms, big, lovely blooms, because the soil, I have an organic garden, the soil is good. Well, and, and- let me
0: tell you something, because I'm going to run out of time here. And that is that. You're gonna to have to be the bee. So you gotta take you know the male flower, it's got it's got no little fruit under it. The female has the fruit under it. You gotta take male flowers and pollinate five females.
2: You take the actual flower.
0: Yeah, yeah, pull the, the flower, thing. you can cut it off, pull it off yeah. and and hit the uh part that sticks out the middle on the female flowers and you'll get fruit. you got to get a lot of that pollen on it. If you do that, that'll stop happening, and you better do it soon because it's getting late in the season. So that's your job for this afternoon. Uh, Before you enjoy a Brussels sprout casserole or a bottle of wine, you have to head out there to the garden and pollinate these uh, poor uh, female flowers that are begging to be pollinated. Yellow jackets
2: also could be pollinators.
0: I uh, don't. Not very good. They're oh, not yeah? very good. But uh, there are a lot of bees, like Karen said. So, but I think you this year you're not getting the bees. There are big problems with bees. So uh, you got to be to be okay.
2: Oh boy. Okay. Thank you very much. All right, Ann, Thank man. you for
0: your call. Bye bye. Okay. Before we go to break, I want to let you know we'll probably have time for one more phone call. It's one triple eight nine seven three Cairo 5476 nine seven three five four seven six. We'll just take the first call that comes in. You won't have to wait. Or la la. And if you don't, we'll talk deer more. So right back 97.3 seven three Cairo FM.
2: This is gardening with Cisco on the all new Cairo Radio Weekends.
0: Okay, we are back, and um, Chris, if you don't mind, if you could put uh, Tina on. She's in Kent. Hi, Tina. What's going on in Kent today?
2: Oh, it's sunny, not a cloud in the sky.
0: Isn't that wonderful?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it is. I have a quick question. Uh, I've been very lazy this year. My tomato plants are a good three, three and a half feet tall, loaded with tomatoes but they are still in three-gallon plastic pots. They get watered regularly. Is it too late to transplant them
0: in raised beds? I don't think so. The dangers could be knocking tomatoes off. Anytime you got a plant grown in a pot, you could transplant it anytime you want, in the middle of the hottest part of summer, anytime, because it's just like you go to the nursery and buy the plant, you know. You're not disrupting the roots terribly when you uh, plant a plant out of a pot. Trying to transplant, that's a whole different story. If you do that in the middle of summer like I do all the time, you've got to be the nuttiest guy there ever was. You know? You're know, you going to dump enough water. But uh, the trick's going to be to get them out of the pot without knocking off the tomatoes. If you have an old okay. pruning saw, cut around the outside of the pot. You know, in the inside of the pot, just go right around that outside edge of the pot, the inside edge of the pot, and then I think you'll be able to lay it over and very gently. Maybe have someone help you pick pick it up, and
1: you could even use get some sturdy scissors and go down. Actually, wreck the pot deliberately and that's, just cut down the with scissors, too. and then just rip it off that way. Really I've done a good that.
0: point. Yeah. Uh,
1: what if I remove the bottom of the pot and?
2: plant the the whole
0: pot uh, about four nah, that, that, that won't for. I wouldn't do that. I'd either cut the okay. whole pot off or uh just, you know, get it out of there.
1: You need lateral root growth not just from the bottom.
0: Yeah. Okay.
2: Okay. Okay. Well, I'll wrap the up in some uh in some uh, of that
0: uh, what do you call it? The white Oh uh, yeah, the row crop thing. cover. And have a friend friend help you. That'll make a big difference. You're going to lose some tomatoes, (laughs) but it's It's worth it. I think you'll be glad you did it. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Hey, Tina, let me know someday how it all turns out if you come to one of my talks or give us a call. Okay. I will certainly
2: do that, and thank you.
0: Thanks, Tina. Bye. Bye. All right, so I want to remind everybody, we have a link to Karen Chapman, her website, and a link to her book, Deer-Resistant Design, Fence-Free Gardens to Thrive Despite the Deer. And it's a fantastic book. She went all over the country uh, checking out great gardens where people garden without using fences. Or if they do, they might use uh, two little fences close to That's each right. other.
1: Like my vegetable garden. Uh, yes. Yep. Yep. So
0: there's different tricks. There's all sorts of really great advice in this book. Uh a lot of great design advice, too.
1: I think people will enjoy it, even if they don't have deer, to be honest, because there's so many beautiful right. gardens in there.
0: There's beautiful gardens, wonderful pictures Thank in you. there, <laughs> and uh, it's a great, great book. And I'm willing to bet you'll be given a talk about this at the Northwest Flower and Garden I Show this year. I
1: suspect so, and there's lots of talks on the events page of my website. You'll find everything on there
0: great so i really recommend this book it's quite good and that the pictures and descriptions of the container gardens in the back are really great too and advice about different sprays you can use you can make your own you can follow recipes somebody used (laughs) in the book so it's terrific so um i really recommend it and just uh just so uh People know. You also, a lot of people love having deer in their garden. They
1: do, and that was, you know, part of it. Or for people like me, you can't actually physically fence them out. It's not possible. And so this was one way of getting around that.
0: Cool. All right. So get that book, I'll tell you what. So, this is Karen Chapman right on the front page, Cisco.com. Chris, thank you so much, buddy. Hey, everybody, we'll see you next week. Enjoy this weather and eat your Brussels sprouts. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.